The role of the modern day pastor and ministry leader is changing. More and more pastors around the world today are ministry leaders who are doing multiple jobs and wearing multiple hats. They are bivocational or co-vocational leaders. They may be pastors looking for creative ways to use their church or staff to create income and revenue for sustainability. They may be ministry leaders who are looking for ways to launch for-profit initiatives or integrate innovation into their organization. They may be those who want to do missions globally and find creative ways to create sustainability. Or they may be marketplace leaders who are called to stay in the marketplace, but want to be part-time pastors, lay pastors, start ministries or nonprofits. This is the age of the new ministry leader. They wear different hats and do different things. They are technologically savvy and global. They are who God is using to make an impact in cities and communities around the world. This is the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader Podcast, and these are their stories. Well, hello, everyone. It is great to be back here again. And today we are talking with Jaslyn Dixon, Gospel Care Director over at Reality LA. Well, one, welcome, Jaslyn. And for those who are listening, share what a Gospel Care Director looks like at Reality LA. Oh, well, it's great to be with you, Tommy, and everyone who's listening. Thanks for thanks for the time. Um, yeah, well, it actually depends on the day or the week or the season. But um, overall, what it looks like is my hope and my heart is to help equip the church to be the church. Yeah. And so what that looks like is coming alongside folks and saying, how can we um, love the city um, as we relationally grow to receive and reflect the care of Christ. So that's kind of the mission, the heart, the hope. And with that, it looks like creating trainings, leadership development, um, initiating different um, care kind of programs, um, formational development, even among staff, leadership, um, offering care, uh, really just developing us to be a community of care where the the church can be um, a safe, healthy, um, healing space. Jessen, would you say this is a new type of position for churches? Or when you travel or talk with other churches, do they have positions similar to what you're doing? I believe that they, that's a good question, because I believe that there usually is some type of aspect um, of kind of gospel care. Yeah. Now, typically what that looks like, we chose the language gospel care really intentionally because a lot of folks will maybe have like lay counseling or biblical counseling, which is great. But often what what gets communicated is, oh, well, if I'm not a counselor, I can't do that. Correct. Correct. Everyone cares. right? Everyone cares. And they're already in spaces of caring because they're in relationships with people. But we don't want to just care in any old way. We want to care by and for and through the gospel. So that's really kind of the heart and the hope behind even that title. But I think more often than not, you'll usually have maybe like mercy or benevolence ministries can do a lot of even practical level care. Um, And then obviously those who are in leadership roles or just a part of the church, hopefully there's obviously care infused there. But that's where my my hope and my heart is really to come alongside and really how do we how can we already participate in the work that God is doing as we are already seeking to care for others. Um, And with that, not a lot of churches have me being a full-time, I'm a licensed mental health clinician, not a lot of churches will have 
um, clinicians on staff. So you will still have maybe care directors or spaces like that, but they may not have a clinical background, which is which is fine and great, but that's just probably a little bit more of maybe the uniqueness for my role in this space. I'm looking at your resume right now, Master's in Marriage and Family Therapy, Licensed Marriage and Family Therapy, Master's in Spiritual Formation, Soul Care from Biola. Talk to me about your journey. How did you get involved? Is this, how did you know this was something you wanted to do? Ooh, man. Well, we, oh, that's a great story. So the quick version, I didn't grow up in the church. Um, and, but I went to private Christian school because my family wanted me to have kind of like a good, you know, protective, uh, moral reinforcing space. Um, and once I left uh, private Christian school, went into public school, I was at a college prep high school. And so we had to focus on uh, like, do we want to do a business pathway, a health pathway? You know, you don't know what you want to do at 14. Yeah. But uh, I knew that I wasn't interested in math or science or English or, you know, history or PE. I loved lunch. And so I just wanted to be with people. And at that point, I had come to know the Lord in high school. And so really, I like I'm a pretty engaging people oriented person to begin with that alongside taking some. Uh, psych classes in high school that I just really enjoyed. It was fascinated by getting connected to my church. And actually, when I first came to know the Lord, there was a significant amount of just uh, pain and brokenness um, uh, but in our leadership at the church. Um, and so about five, five or six pastors were either fired or left because of uh, sexual brokenness and, yeah. and in. And so I just saw the humanity of the church, and the need for healing and God's power and restoration um, and growth in the church at a really young age. So all that kind of really the personality that the Lord's given me, the skill set in learning different, um, pursuing the psychology kind of route along with um, growing as a believer and, and seeing the healing that um, his bride is to really press into to reflect his goodness and his, his beauty and give glory and draw others to him really just kind of formed into a calling for me. And I continue to pursue that as the Lord invited me into it. Yeah, because I noticed a lot of times you spent after, years after studies, you went to a government program, you worked at community care clinic before coming to reality. So how did that job take place? Even at reality, did the church realize that they needed to hire or create a position similar to what you're doing now? I mean, that's a that's a great question. Yeah, I was working um, in the, you know, in just mental health organizations yeah. in the county and the city for about 10 years, serving clients that had both severe mental illness and substance abuse need and a multidisciplinary team helping clients that were, you know, experiencing chronic homelessness, coming out of jails or prisons or mental health institutions. So I really knew that that was wherever wherever the Lord had me was going to be my ministry. But uh, as I was attending Reality LA, I wanted to know, can I be a resource? Can I be a referral source? Um, could we consult? I just wanted to serve in the way that the Lord has kind of gifted me and poured into me through others in so many ways. And one thing led to another, and we actually did create this position um, for me to step into, because I don't think there wasn't someone that I could say, oh, as a licensed cl clinician, I want to do that at church because there's just not a lot of those on staff. And I yeah. think 
the church was always really longing and wanting to have more of a, you know, care formational focus, but didn't maybe know quite how to go about that or what that looked like. So it was really the Lord bringing us into this relationship as we were uh, just discovering it, to be quite honest. Yeah, yeah, very good. The whole idea of mental health, emotional health, soul care, everything. Yeah. During this time, post-pandemic, and all, is, do you find this as a regular practice of the church? Or are more and more church emphasizing the importance of soul care, spiritual formation? Or is this still a developing conversation where a lot of churches need to grow in the awareness of it? Yeah, that's an excellent question, Tommy. I think, I really think it's both. Okay. Um, I think churches, you know, churches are as different as people are in so many ways, right? And so there's different people who are at different levels of their own kind of healing or yeah. integration or understanding of um, their own just like whole life kind of like development and uh, maturity in Christ. And so I think with that, there's different churches that have different gift sets, different emphasis. And the beauty is that the, the kingdom as we come together reflects that beautifully. Right. And so I think all the more in kind of the wake of COVID, the wake of the year that we've had um, and everything that has come up through that, I think people are more and more aware of um, the need to really steward the whole person, yeah. um, the whole body of Christ. And so I think, you know, we're holistically made. And so if we look back in creation, we know that we were in right relationship with God, with ourselves, with others, with his creation, and the fall completely severed all of that. And so yeah. the things of our, our mental, our spiritual, our physical, our emotional, our relational health were meant to be in beautiful unison and cohesion as we reflect God as image bearers. And with the fall, all of that was shattered. And so really whole life discipleship and journeying with Jesus is really a, a holistic restoration of shalom. Yeah. And not only within us, but through us and among us. And we get to be participants in the, in the work that God is doing. Jaslyn, why is the conversation with emotional health and mental health and soul care so important now and so prevalent in a lot of discussions that churches are having? And I say this because I'm 43 years old. <laughs> Back when I was at church or even growing up, that was just never a topic of concern. And maybe because I was born in an Asian family or even with some of the people, it was toughening it up. Just you got to just deal with it. You got to be strong. You got to push yourself through, which now is a different conversation. That I hear what people are saying. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think there's a lot of factors that play into it. I think culturally, even as you mentioned, right, different if there's a shame honor culture, yeah. right, that's going to yeah. be you're, you're not going to want to show what isn't um, going to actually be fruitful for your family, for your community, right? Yeah. Like you are on behalf of, but I think also in, in more Western kind of Christianity historically, uh, you know, one, we have the, the Reformation, we have Industrial Revolution, we have all these types of things that really focus on science or focus on the cognition as being kind of supreme. And so with that, we, we get this kind of, um, you know, there's a there's quite a chasm between the, the physical and the spiritual. And so I think even with some of those things, we have really said that what we can trust the most is maybe our cognition or what we know or. Um, and so we do a lot of 
discipleship that's kind of that really is cognitive it's not necessarily kind of whole person and so is the healing and change and restoration of our of our thinking and our beliefs absolutely but we're made again in the image of god so our emotions are actually a way for us to connect and if we have a relationship it's not just a cognitive understanding it is experiential it is um, it in, involves our body that we serve an incarnated God who came and dwelt among us in a body, who has ascended in a body, who will return yeah. in a body. Yeah. So what does that look like to steward our physical health? What does that look like to steward our mental health, our belief system, our theological prowess, right? In addition to relationally, how do we show up? Because we all know people can know all the right things. That doesn't yeah. mean that we actually can reflect that. And yeah. it's a yeah. So we're invited into that by the by the grace and by the power of God and his people. Very, very good. I'm looking at the latest survey that Barna did. Here are some numbers that they did in Dallas as well as Columbus. Mm-hmm. In the most recent survey, they're saying that congregations, 51% in congregation people surveyed, mm-hmm. expect a church to offer some kind of counseling service going mm-hmm. forward. In Columbus, the net number is about 49%. Yeah. Are you beginning to see people will be hiring people like yourself or having someone on staff? Will they be partnering more or will they do be doing more lay ministry? What do you begin to see as some of the things that people will be doing? Yeah, well, I can tell you what I hope to see. I hope to see churches really working together and that there is a, um, a greater growth in uh, really utilizing resources and referrals um, in the city. So one of the things that we have at Reality um, LA is that we really prioritize having um, a pretty significant referral list of folks who are mental health clinicians, who are um, uh, active believers, who intentionally integrate their faith because yeah. we I've never heard anyone say they have too much support, right? Yeah. And so what does that look like to have your spiritual community, to have maybe your family or your friends, to have a therapist, to have outside hobbies and resources, right? What does that look like to have a diverse community of care so we can grow and develop as whole people? And so I think alongside that, you know, I I always want to say that I'm trying to work myself out of a job. Right. I think a good clinician uh, will do that. Right. This side of heaven, I have a lot of job security. But the important aspect is, you know, I'm not trying to make people to be little miniature clinicians. Yeah. Right? We're not looking to make doctors. We're looking to make field medics. And so with that, we we have the the, the power of the counsel, the greatest counselor within us. But what does that look like to say, you know what, how can I journey alongside folks and how can I be present to them where they're at? Because yeah. But also say, you know what, there's certain things, depending on urgency or severity of need, where having an additional person who maybe is a experienced mental health clinician journey alongside as well. Just as um, if someone has diabetes, there may be need for medication. Yeah. Right? There, may, there may be need for specific expert medical intervention. There may also be a ton that you can do in your own lifestyle and having community around you to support those types of changes or really honesty and just the, the process of that, right? It's, it's holistic. So we want to take that into account. So I really hope that there is 
more opportunities for people to have maybe more formal counseling spaces. Yeah. But also, you know, soul care has happened. That's the heart of the church. It's built on that. So, you know, even priests back in the day or those who would come and have confession or community or really do like church in small spaces, like all of that is because we we're caring for the soul of the person, yeah. which impacts the whole of the person. Yeah. And so what does that look like to grow in development, to grow, I think, in um, in our, our quality of knowing how to even listen well? We do trainings yeah. at the church where what does that look like to listen to the spirit, to listen to another person, to really yeah. ask good questions, to have a ministry of presence, yeah. right? Incarnational ministry. And that's hard. It's hard to listen yeah. just to another person, much rather to the Lord or to different situations that are going on. But everyone can do that. So it's really a um, we don't want to be a church that has a gospel care ministry. We want to be a church of gospel care. And so you, mm. you understand what we're doing differently based on that focus. Yeah. Jasmine, I also know that you're also doing some adjunct teaching over at Biola these days as well, too. Are you beginning to see like there are certain churches who may not have the network that Reality LA does or even the finances? Can lay ministers be developed through programs? Can can we be working to develop a lot of volunteers and train the volunteers? Oh man, absolutely. I mean, I am I I happen to be a clinician, but the role that I have is not bound to someone being a clinician. Got it, got it, Thank got it. You absolutely be beneficial. And one of the things that I've seen other churches do is even have um, bring in other gospel centered clinicians, maybe in their in their community or even in their church and maybe have them do different trainings for the staff or trainings for the church as a whole. Um, you know, how do we identify the possibilities of uh, of child sex trafficking? Right. What is child abuse look like? Um, what does it look like to journey through spaces of domestic violence, right, that are going to be happening maybe in our communities or or even in our churches, right? What does that look like to really practice lament and practice listening yeah. to one another, offering spaces of ra racial reconciliation? And we don't have to necessarily only have clinicians speak into that, but man, isn't it fruitful to have the diversity of the body yeah. be able to really pour into the fruit and the wholeness and the growth of the body. So I just think I, I I love that. And I think it's a really beautiful opportunity to expand the reach, but also to to press into the kingdom, the, yeah. the churches as a as kingdom yeah. of God. When you organize, are you finding that a lot of times you're going to get a lot of millennials, Gen Z interacting? But are you also seeing those who are baby boomers or for myself, Gen X, also beginning to engage in topics like this? Yeah, um, I think for us, I mean, our church, our church majority is younger. We have a lot of like young families. Yeah. But um, but I think, you know, I've never I've never come across anyone who says I don't want to. I don't want to grow in listening to God or knowing how to be present to other people or be heard myself in the church. And I think if that's really what we're connecting on and saying, are we willing to learn how to how to do that better? Are we willing to double down on what God is already doing and showing and revealing in our lives or the lives of those around us so that we can better minister, so we can better receive, so we can better be reflections of the Lord. And I think 
more often than not, when we when we come at it with that angle, um, people are really responsive. Um, and I think that to me, I've been really encouraged by. Now, some of us are going to be much more maybe uh, aware of certain things or practicing certain things. And so we want to be culturally sensitive and we want to be culturally informed that for some people, this is going to be really hard for some people yeah, yeah, yeah. may not be their jam, but that's okay. Like, what does that look like to say, Hey, how can we partner with where God's already at work in your life as you are yeah. already serving and loving and being loved by others? Yeah. And you've probably, being a church in L.A., there are a lot of Asians in L.A., you're probably already beginning to get a taste of that culture because a lot of times we, as Asians, we grew up in a, parent, uh, in a family where your parents didn't always show you love. It was always being hard on you. Face, shame was a huge issue, all of that. And that builds into the baggage that you, as you continue to grow as an adult. Yes, absolutely. I mean, and that's where I think, I think, again, the beauty of, different churches, the beauty of different cultures really help to reflect where do we have to grow in the gospel? Yeah. Where do we have to learn and receive of one another in the gospel? Because for a lot of folks, especially whether that's culturally or whether that's their experiences, if we talk about the love of God, but maybe yeah. there is, they have not really even understood what that means on a practical level, or maybe their father was absent, or maybe their father was not a safe person, or who knows what that looks like. And the same goes with a mother. But when we talk about, oh, the love of God or pray to your heavenly father, what does that actually mean when I don't even, I don't even trust or know or, or experience love from my earthly father, right? And so it, I think it is really important that we are, we're sensitive to people's stories. And obviously that yeah. doesn't, change the gospel but we say what does that look like for where someone's at and how can we journey alongside them um and even again be some of the hands and feet of jesus and just say hey how is that to like yeah when we talk about oh god loves you your heavenly father loves you how does that land given your yeah. story yeah right? and just Jess, I feel like this conversation is also so important, even in seminaries with how we train pastors. You look yep. at all those stories that are emerging of pastors who are getting in trouble. And part of it is tied into their heart issues. Part yeah. of it is in their soul care, self-image, how they see themselves. All of that's all built into all these things. Even pastors who say, well, I deserve this. That's why I'm doing this. Yeah. It's all part of your spiritual formation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, spiritual formation and actually doing the kind of deep characterological work, yeah. right? That's where cognition will only go so far, which again is is important. But what does that look like to really connect head and heart? Yeah. Right? yeah. Because often people don't show up every day and say, you know what, I'm just going to choose to sin. That's yeah. what I yeah. want. Right. And so if we know the gospel, if we know these things, then what's going on at a deeper level yeah. where there's parts of our heart that maybe have yet to fully know yeah. love of God. And so one of the things for me is that if I'm referring to a clinician or as I'm training up other mental health clinicians at Talbot Seminary and we're really pressing in, I will always say, you know, like, I don't I don't really trust any clinician that hasn't done their own work. Right. Because it, what does that look like for yeah. us to really prioritize saying, hey, I've got brokenness in my story. Yeah. I've got yeah. places to grow and to heal. And I want to be able to also know what that means to be yeah. a client, to be someone who receives. And for those of us, I think, in particular, who are in 
helping professions, whether that's, you know, ministry world, whether that's clinical world, right? It's really hard for us to receive because we have a lot more control when we're giving, right? And so what does that look like to intentionally be in a space and seek out places of receiving, of humility, of compassion, of others to know us in the places that maybe we want to hide or we would rather not be there because the church ought to be the safest place for someone to be honest and to be known and to be journeyed with than anywhere else. And so what does that look like for us to grow and develop in that Jaslyn, I still remember when I graduated from seminary here in Chicago, my professor says to me in seminary, and he gave me the best advice I ever had. He says, look, you you have high energy. You're always go and go. You are doing your yourself a disservice if you do not stop and reflect. Come on. You will mess up your life and others ahead of it. You have to learn to stop and reflect. I have never forgotten that. I lead out of my brokenness. I lead out of the pain and journey. I had to learn how to do all that. Yeah, which, which, praise God. Praise God for the sensitivity of the spirit within you, of the care of this professor to speak that over you. And I think, especially for those of us, there's there's no... There's no shortage of good to be done. And so we can easily just go, go, go. But I mean, again, we see in scripture that God, God is a God who rests, who reminds us to slow to Sabbath, right? What does that really look like if we take Sabbath seriously? Yeah. And that's a growth area for me, right? I am a high capacity person. I love being with people. And uh, and so I think I've it's really been a growth area for me, um, I think to continue to, to press into what does that mean to not just care for myself, but really invite others to care no. for me? And what does that look like to trust that even as I slow, that God is still at work? Do I trust that maybe listening alone for maybe a moment, for maybe a, 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 a time of my relationship with somebody else or as a clinician or as a, a minister of the gospel that we're called, right? Do I trust that even as I listen, God's at work, right? And I think so often for those who are, you know, pastors or in ministry or, or just any of us, really, we we have so much to say that it's really hard to slow and to listen. And if it's hard to do that with another person, man, that can be hard to do that even with God. And we're called, God calls us to be a people to remember, to reflect, to draw back. And so I think that's yeah. such a... That's such an invitation. That's such a good word. I'm so thankful that you even brought that up and praise God. I mean, God is not pro exhaustion. There's, there's seasons and there's times where we hustle and, and there's different pace, but, but overall, what does that look like to, to really move at the pace of rest and move at the pace of trust? Yeah. Yeah. Jaslyn, 30 minutes have gone and it has been a fun if people want to find more information about you, if they want to uh, follow you, where can they go? Oh gosh. Yeah. Um, uh, they can online. I'm, I'm on Instagram. Uh, I don't really do Twitter. I try to keep things pretty low key, but my Instagram handle for my, uh, my marriage and family therapy is uh, Jaslyn MFT and uh, J A S L Y N MFT. And then uh, Reality LA, you can always email me through there. My email address for MFT is jaslynmft at gmail. So if people want to get a hold of me there, um, I may not. I, I always tell people, 
don't be shy. You can reach out. I have no problem saying no and just give me multiple days to respond. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Overall, yeah, I'm really excited for what God is doing in this season. I think it's been really difficult and, and hard for so many folks. And this is a real opportunity for the church to um, to be an extension and impress into what God yeah. is doing, not only for others, but actually for us as a church to really yeah. receive and grow. And this has been a really formational time. So I'm, I'm prayerful and expectant for what God continue to has. Very, very good. Jaslyn Dixon, gospel care director over at Reality LA and now adjunct professor. So thank you so much for finding time to talk. Appreciate it. It's an honor to be with you. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of the Grow Center's Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader Podcast. To stay connected, make sure you subscribe to the Grow Center channel, rate and review this episode, and make sure to share on your social media platforms. We would love for you to follow along with the Grow Center on Instagram and Facebook at Grow Center Network and our website at www.thegrowcenter.com. See you next time.